Welcome to Foolish Voices, a Company of Fools podcast. Company of Fools is a professional theater company based in Sun Valley, Idaho, and is a proud part of the Sun Valley Museum of Art. More information can be found online at svmoa.org. Welcome to Foolish Voices. I'm Scott Palmer, Producing Artistic Director of Company of Fools. And on this show, we talk to a wide range of performing artists, both here in Sun Valley and all across the world, about how the current global health crisis is impacting their work, about their creative lives, and about their hopes for the future of our art forms. Please consider supporting Company of Fools by making a donation in any amount via our podcast platform or online at SVMOA. In this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with an angel of goodness and light in the universe, the utterly delightful R.L. Rousey. R.L. has spent his life immersed in the arts, from his start in Richmond, Virginia, filled with piano lessons and church choirs and high school plays. R.L. has continued his love for the arts in a diverse and exciting career. After studying voice and piano at Virginia Commonwealth University and musical director Musically directing dozens of musicals at local theaters, R.L. moved to the Washington, D.C. suburbs, where he spent time serving as musical director for A New American Opera, singing the title role in Michael Nyman's The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, teaching and directing at the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts and Woolly Mammoth Theater Company. After a quick return to Richmond as the Associate Producing Artistic Director for Theater Virginia, R.L. was back on the road first as a conductor and then company manager and finally general manager for one of the nation's leading producers of national tours. Almost 20 years ago, R.L. and his partner John Glenn moved to Haley, Idaho to work with Company of Fools. And in addition to his work as the Education Artistic Director for the Sun Valley Music Festival, he also serves as the Musical Director for Light on the Mountain Center for Spiritual Living and as a conductor and perhaps his most important role, my friend. Welcome to Foolish Voices, R.L. How are you? I'm well, Scott. It is just I miss your, your dumb voice. face. Uh-huh. Wait, say that again? I was I talking say, over you. I that miss your face. Again. I miss your face. I miss your face. <laughs> I know. It's it's crazy not seeing people. Um, I have pictures around that I go and look at just to remind me of everybody and, and giggle and smile. And giggle. <laughs> giggle. Are you healthy? I am. You know, I think like a lot of people, maybe I had a little brush with the, the little virus thing early on but no tests, so I don't know for sure yet, but um, I am healthy and well now. Um, and have been for weeks. I feel very fortunate, blessed. How are you How are you keeping yourself busy? Well, speaking of blessed, my, you know, <laughs> I wear multiple hats, but my, my largest hat, the hat that occupies the day job is as the uh, education artistic director for the Sun Valley Music Festival. And I continue, to work from home now for what seems like forever and ever. Um, but I work from home, uh, working on projects with them. Uh, we are continuing to teach remotely and uh, we just had a great piano uh, recital, uh, a Zoom piano recital yesterday. It was uh, crazy fun. Um, and uh, still looking ahead to the future with that organization. So that fills a lot of time. I find gaps in, you know, Caritas Choral should have sung a concert last weekend. And of course that didn't happen. Um, and so there are community engagements and connections that um, are quiet. 
I still go uh, to Light on the Mountains on Sunday mornings to play for uh, a virtual gathering there. There are four of us in the build, in the room. We all come in separate doors. We stay very uh, socially distanced. Um, so I still am finding, I am so fortunate in the time when people are sitting at home wondering what they're going to do. I am still busy. I'm grateful for that. That That's great. I mean, I actually think, uh, it, it's probably better for all of us that you don't have idle time on your hands, RL. You'll oh, just get, you don't even know. You'll get into all kinds of trouble. You will get us into all kinds of trouble. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm the one in all of in in lots of current meetings that keep saying, "Well, wait, couldn't can't we do more? What else can we do? How can we reach out?" You know, I'm worried about our kids. Um, uh, let me let me qualify that. I am so proud of our educators and the way that they're reaching out and connecting to our kids. Um, uh, that's great. And uh, I am proud of parents. I don't know how you, I have a dog. I can tell him to go lay down. I don't have to teach him math. <laughs> and, and I still find that to be a struggle. So I don't, bless our parents' hearts who are 24-7 are with their kids and trying to figure them out and understand them and find their own quiet time and all of that. But I worry specifically about our kids who use the arts as a, um, a portal for uh, self-expression, uh, as a portal for dealing with uh, internal conflict, as a portal for dealing with uh, family or social dynamics that are not healthy for them. Uh, and I, I I worry about the, uh, the loss of some of those connections, some of those outlets for our kids. And so I, I continue to believe that we will, as educators and artists and people who understand the pulse and the, um, the power of the arts, will continue to find ways to reach out to those kids in more and more and new and meaningful ways. I agree. I mean, I think for me, it it is just so important. I mean, also being graciously and gratefully childless with just a dog and a husband at home, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I cannot imagine what it must be like for families who are desperately trying to keep their kids not only entertained, but also educated and connected. Um, and I agree with you. I think it's it, if there is anything we as artists can be doing right now, it is helping out our parents who uh, are are trying to keep their kids safe and sane and educated and engaged. How one of one of my colleagues, who I will not mention by name, shared the fact that uh, that she thought that that actually she was doing a great job in educating her child, um, and that his vocabulary had grown immensely, mostly because she realized that there were times in the day that she is used to swearing and times in the day that she's not. <laughs> Those times have become blurred, and so now her child has a whole new vocabulary. Yay, see, that is what we call the language arts. Mm -hmm. Those are, those are different than the musical or theatrical, but. Yep. So how how is, um, how is the Sun Valley Music Festival holding up? What what are you guys doing in this time, and how are you planning uh, moving forward? We're we're good, Scott. We are um, we are we were a small staff year round, and so um, we've been able to stay intact um, and working. You know, normally we wouldn't be producing performance content right now, so it gives us time to breathe and ask an awful lot of questions without knowing any answers at all. Um, we are curious about how we might create art 
that is both um, helpful to our audience, to our community, and also uh, do that in a way that complies with all of the restrictions and guidelines, um, and that is safe. So, um, and again, we're so fortunate that we have some time. So we are not racing ahead in that category. On the education side, we are um, active. Uh, we are doing remote lessons uh, for our string and voice and piano students. We are, I just was at a digital piano recital, go figure. Um, and they were so cute on Zoom with their from their houses, all dressed up like we were all in a hall together. Aww. One of the teachers put a picture of Carnegie Hall behind her. I thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> um, uh, we are we interface with the public school system quite a bit, and so um, involved in uh, their digital classrooms, in creating content uh, to be shared in that way, um, and in in my own private lessons, I think the biggest thing that I've learned um, is that seeing someone on the other side of a camera is not the same thing as being in the room with them. Um, there are so many things about us that reach out across the camera, across the microphone, um, and our hearts find a way to do that, but it's not the same. Um, and I think both for our students and for our teachers, we had to come to terms with that, um, that if we tried to make it feel like it was um, the same that it's always been, then we were going to fall flat on our faces. Um, and probably we all scuffed our nose a time or two figuring it out. But the truth is, there's a lot to be shared, there's a lot to be learned, and there's a lot of passion in our kids to learn. And so finding the way to communicate through, uh, through technology um, is new and different and exciting. I was on a call with 21 uh, advanced high school and college age students who have studied strings with us in the summer over the past three years, and with Samir Patel, who is our associate conductor and who conducts that chamber orchestra with those students. And he had asked if we could all get together and talk. I said, I think I think the kids might need to, and I know I need to. And so we did a big old Zoom meeting, and um, one of the topics that came up was so fascinating to me, um, because we started talking about what it was like to practice, to learn, to, to be a student of music right now. And I think this is true in all the arts. But what, what the determination was is that we as students, as teachers, as artists, as arts administrators, as arts organizations, will definitely be um, at the forefront of not just defining what the arts look like this summer, but I believe in defining how we study and create and share and receive art for several chapters ahead. Mm. You know, a hundred years from now, people may look back to us as the people who found a way to continue to share the arts. No, no pressure, pressure though. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I can't really take no it, RL. You, you do it. I don't want to. You figure but, it Scott, out and then just tell me. <laughs> here's the thing. I bet we'll all get it wrong a bunch right. before we start to get it right. I bet we'll trip and stumble and try some things that everybody will go, well, I don't want to go see that again. Or, I don't want to hear it that way. But if we keep trying, um, you know, I was listening. I, I listened to living alone with just a dog means that I listen to lots of, of uh, digital content. 
And recently I've been listening to a lot of things about finding balance um, because, you know, when it was going to be a week or two, I was like, I can do this. And now that it's, <laughs> it's longer, I don't know. I, um, I look for balance of when the noise gets crazy. And I was listening to, to thoughts about getting it right. Um, and the reality is that there is no right. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this person's great wisdom said, well, if there is no right, then there is no wrong. There's simply the doing. I don't know. Fascinating. That is fascinating. I mean, I do think, you know, uh, I, well, I'm interested in what you, what you as a, as an, I mean, you are one of the most authentically, deeply artistic people I have ever met. I mean, it just sort of comes off of you in waves. I was worried about what you were going to say right in the middle of all of that. What, what did you think I was going to say? I don't know. <laughs> well, I do talk bad about you, but never, I'm not, not going to let it be recorded so I can put yeah, it out there. these are new times, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are authentically just this sort of artistic human in the world. It's sort of my assessment is it's the way you sort of move through the world is through art and through music and and all of that. What are you finding out about yourself as an artist in this time? Wow. Nobody See, warned me you were going to ask the hard questions. Um, here's, have I never not? I've always asked you the hard questions. That's true. And that's one of the things I, I appreciate and value about you. And let me also say that one of the things that I have always appreciated, always, like I've known you for a thousand years, <laughs> is I've seen you in front of an awful lot of different people. And my biggest assessment is that you are, speaking of authentic, sir, exactly the same person, whether you're in front of a donor or a board member or your staff or patrons or artists or your friends. Mm. And I find that to be inspiring. Um, Thanks, so maybe that leads- Oh, yeah, you know, um, maybe that leads to some of the discoveries about me um, uh, that that I kind of like some downtime. Mm-hmm. Who knew? I think I've spent my most of my life avoiding downtime um, for fear of what noise might be there if it got too quiet. Um, and mm-hmm. it's okay. The quiet is okay most of the time and then every now and then you have to turn the tv on or wake the dog up or you know or call a friend you can always phone a friend um but the downtime the time the downtime is time to um to go deeper here's an example Uh, so so yes i think i was um very very mildly impacted by this crazy virus early on um, no distressful days, just lots of, you know, fluey things. And, um, but trying to be totally smart and because I have a really great doctor, uh, stay totally isolated so that there was no spread, um, and did things that were good for me. I ate good food and drank lots of liquids and slept and rest. But I also, um, I remember the day, it was a Saturday morning that I woke up and I thought, wow, I can't put both of my feet on the ground at the same time. And I, and I thought, well, what's that about? Just get up and get moving. And then I realized I had nothing to do for the entire day. I could sit there and think about it as long as I wanted or was comfortable. So I stayed there. And I thought, what is this about? Why can't I get both feet on the floor at the same time? What's going on? And after a while, and it took a while, I started to become aware 
that half of me was still in a position of trying not to be sick. Mm. And the other half of me was in the process of finding health, of being healthy. And that those two ideas weren't exactly the same and the floor wasn't in the same place for those two ideas. And it took a while to get there and to get through the noise and the fear. Yeah, fear mm -hmm. um, to get to a place. And then I had enough time because I still looked at my schedule and went, well, I still have nothing to do. And by now it's like, you know, 730 in the morning because I wake up really early. And I, so I thought, well, what do you do with that? And so for a while now, I've been obsessed with this idea of balance. It's, I don't know, it came up. I don't know, around the holidays last year. And I've um, been very curious uh, as a human being, as an artist, as a teacher, um, as someone who tries to help other people find balance of what balance means. And, um, and so I got to spend a good part of the day without having to put that, that thought, that idea back on the shelf because I had to go do something. Um, and it was a profound day for me. And yeah. I... Um, I stay really busy. I zoom from things thing to thing. And the opportunity to be quiet, to be still, um, to hold something in my hands and look at it long enough that I actually think I start to um, understand it, that's relatively new. Um, and it's something that I don't want to lose um, when someday the world will become busy. You know, I um, yesterday morning, Am I supposed to talk about the days of the week? Because does it doesn't matter. Just, like, just, just say yesterday. Just say yesterday. It's fine. So yesterday morning um, <laughs> on on uh, on CBS Sunday morning. Apparently Julie Andrews was on, and you know, I mean, who better to get advice from than you know Maria von Trapp and Mary Poppins? Um, <laughs> and apparently Julie said something like this. She said, "When you're in doubt, hold still. This has a beginning, a middle, and an end." Mm -hmm. We will get through this. And I was like, oh, oh I Julie. Oh, Julie. I my own personal Julie Andrews. <laughs> I mean, I think, I, I think, you know, you, you and I haven't known each other a million years, although it often feels like we have, but well, past I've, lives. Okay. Past lives, exactly. Uh I, I mean, I am struck by how many times in the past year and a half you and I have seen each other at the grocery store or we text each other for a week and a half, desperately trying to find a free hour so that we can have lunch at the Thai place. Um, yes. And that we both, the first thing we say is, oh my God, it's been so busy. Oh my God, it's been so busy. Uh, this and And I, I just, I think it is so important. And I've been encouraging uh, my artist friends and my artistic director colleagues and folks from across the country when I have these podcasts with them to not sort of, you know, this is a horrific time. It's incredibly stressful. We don't know what's going to happen. People are sick and many have lost loved ones and it is horrible. Um, and, and the best thing we can do, not only for our community and for our country is to stay in place, but it is also an incredibly important thing for us to do as artists to stay in place sort of metaphysically or spiritually or creatively um, and not, and realize that we have to be strong. We have to be ready. We, we are going to be on the sort of front lines of the return, right? As you've said, people are going to be looking to us to figure out 
what's the new normal? And they're expecting us to be creative and thoughtful about how we approach it. So, um, so I'm really glad that you spent a day or two in bed getting your batteries recharged um, yeah. because we're going to need you when we come out the other side of this. So I'll be here. I promise. So I was talking to a friend in Richmond, Virginia, who is working on a, a, a new play and she's co-writing with a dear friend. And the whole piece was uh, about uh, two folks who were meeting at a restaurant to discuss things. And so they went, great, we have all this time. We can, we can write via Zoom. We can connect. And she said, so we opened up a little Zoom meeting. We started reading the script and went, this doesn't make any sense. You can't go meet somebody at a restaurant. How do we talk about that? Mm -hmm. You know, what? and so they're spending the time looking at what the new version of that story might be. Mm -hmm. They're sitting in a restaurant, you know, at opposite ends of a long table, you know, waiting for their number to be called to go inside and pick up their food because they can't be inside. They can only eat outside. What does it look like? You know, and then how does that translate to the stage and how much of what is current will be in the new norm um, and how much of our world will go back to something that is more familiar. I, I, you know, I, I don't know, but I know that theater has always been called on to be a reflection of, of our communities, of our, of our societies, of our culture. Um, and so I am so curious at, um, as you look at all historical writing that has dealt with major moments in our time on this planet, I am so interested to find out how writers will um, document this time, reflect on this time, uh, bring their own point of views into this time, which will be very different than mine or yours. You know, I talk to people in other parts of the country who can't believe that what our, our county for a long time was the number one uh, uh, on the list of the highest per capita uh, number of documented cases of this virus. And, and it's different when, when you know that many people or when you're sitting out. I mean, I had someone say to me the other day, well, I don't know anybody that's had the virus. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably yeah, do. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah, At least you in do. the valley, you do, for sure. Well, no, this was somebody from another part of oh, the world right. who, who really thought they that potentially they didn't. Though I still, you know, who knows? Mm. We could get all political, but we try not to, right? Yeah. Yeah, I try. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't often succeed. Well, that's all I have to say then. <laughs> <laughs> what, I mean, what do you think we, we should be, I, I mean... One of the things that I worry about is whether or not our audiences will return, mm. right? Yeah. Um, you know, as we are desperately trying to figure all this out and come up with interesting ways of ensuring the arts survive and ensuring that we make money and ensuring that our artists are taken care of, um, I wonder whether or not there aren't going to be some folks in the world who just sort of say, it's too soon. I don't know that I want to go back to a theater or to the lawn. I don't know if I'm ready to go to a movie theater or to the Liberty for a while. Um, right. what, do, what do we say to them? What do we say to the people for whom we do this work? Wow. I think therein lies one of the great questions, Scott. And again, this is one of those places where I bet we'll stumble a few times. But I, I do believe that part of our answer has to be 
great. We're going to work hard to be here when you're ready. No guarantees, no promises, because it takes some resources to hang around. Um, but for some people, they won't be ready soon. That'll take a while. Um, and my big question is, great, you're not ready to engage in the art that I help create right now in a way that you used to. How can you? How can I offer this to you? What can I offer you? Um, can I meet you, you know, can we meet with a group of 10 people uh, in a really big room? And there are four actors who are uh, socially distanced because I think for some people, it's not just about who they're sitting around. It's about if seeing four other people up on stage all hugging each other mm -hmm. might be more than they could handle for a while. I get it. I get, this is hard. Um, so how do we create art? How do we, how do we ask musicians to play together as an ensemble but stay socially distanced? Um, how do we have dancers move? Um, uh, and discover new ways of telling stories that don't involve physical contact? How do, how do we make ticket prices affordable when we can only put someone in every fifth seat? Um, how, do we, you know, how do we spread people out? Uh, how do we use different entrances so that not too many people are coming in the same door at the same time? They're just all of these questions. Um, and a lot of smart people who understand the value of the arts um, are already starting to ask the questions in large and small ways. We'll figure it out. And I bet, it, but I bet for a long time to come, our, the way we engage with our audiences will be more diverse than saying, this is what we have. Do you want to come see it or not? Right. Um, we'll have to um, find new ways to um, make our, our art and ourselves available. And underneath it all, that's when I get back to my glass, it's half full. How exciting to, um, to find new content, uh, to find new ways of, um, of exposing people to the value, the multiple values of the arts. And will some sit in the background while others move to the front? Will we discover new values that we never knew about before? Maybe. Um, will some of the things that we thought were essential not be so essential anymore? Um, will we reevaluate how we position our budgets to create art? Probably. Mm -hmm. um, that's my dog barking in the background. I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Should have. He thinks. It just thinks you're you know going on and on and on, just telling you to wrap it up. More yeah, I know. I'm, I'm on the bike path, so <laughs> a dog moved on the bike path, and he is protecting us. He's good for him. That is good. That is exactly what those dogs are for. Um, you know, I think I am, as you can imagine, RL. I am up to my eyeballs and budgets all the time this wow. last couple of weeks, and probably for the months coming forward. And and to be honest, you know, I think you, I think this is my 45th or 46th podcast since going into lockdown, which is nuts. Who who would have thought I would have spent all this time chatting with people uh, over the internet? But one of the things that I'm hearing consistently, and this is from theater makers, it's from my friends who work in ballet, it's from my friends who work in photography, museums, is this question of how do our budgets reflect our values? And I, I would love to hear what, what you think that means, because I, 
I've been trying to kind of dig into it a little bit more within the, the fool's budget and within, you know, the Sun Valley Museum of Arts budget. But when, but I, I agree with you. I think one of the crucial questions that we are going to have to answer as arts administrators and as programmers and producers is what does this mean for aligning our budgets with our values in, in a new way? There you go. I can. I don't even know if there's an answer to that, but uh, maybe I think the, that I, I want to start with. Can I go back and look at the budget from the largest uh, vantage point? Meaning we have to look at at revenue streams at the same time that we look at how we're going to spend that money. Um, and uh, I think you know there are many people who would say, "Well, ticket prices are going to soar." Mm, maybe what's going to soar is that more people in more ways will um, understand the importance of arts in their life and will find new ways. And that doesn't mean that everybody's going to open up their checkbooks and suddenly have a lot more money to throw out because there's not a lot of money in the checkbooks right now, you know, for many, many, many people. Um, uh, but there but we will figure this out. We will figure out how we attract the dollars, how we put the packages together. You know, I, we may go back to that time when more theaters are bartering than uh, than they do these days, when it's suddenly like, can you come over and help me paint my barn? Um, and so there's there's that side of how we will gather and um, and assess our resources. But I um. Well, I, I look at my own world here. You know, there. If I have, uh, like, if I have a carton of really good eggs, um, and a couple of proteins and some really fresh vegetables, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I can eat. Um, and uh, I realize that uh, while trying to support all of our local restaurants as much as I can, um, I am certainly shopping for my food locally in, in new and different ways, and I'm actually saving money on what I, I put into what I eat. Um, and I wonder how we will look at some of the things that we've thought mattered. Uh, you know, I will be surprised if we don't see um, uh, maybe some less glitzy um, marketing materials because there's mm -hmm. no money to print them because we really know that we have to pay our artists. We have to pay our staff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't pay a staff. There's no reason to have the artist around. There's no one to produce the art that they're going to share. And so I... I wonder if all, I wonder, and this is a curiosity, don't quote me, uh, but I wonder, I wonder if more and more of our resources are going to go back to our artists um, uh, uh, in the theater, actors, designers, artisans, the people who come in and make the magic happen behind the work of the actors. Um, if Oh, did we lose you? me um uh and if what's if we're not going to find more more people um who want to go and have a common experience of sitting together as an audience um you know in some ways i wonder if our zoom meetings will try will translate to trips to art galleries and concerts and and, and, th and plays and dance companies and um and we do it together because we are craving the shared experience. Mm -hmm. 
You How know do what? we find all that? I don't quite know yet. Yeah, but, I don't know either. But yeah. I but I agree. I mean, I think, I mean, you know, I think you and I both know that the way this works is that, you know, as artists, we go, this is what's important. These are the things that are not. Let's put our resources towards the thing that is important, right? right. Um, because we've never had enough money to do it exactly the way we have wanted it to be done. So we always have to prioritize what, where right. we're going to put our resources. And I think as long as we're placing, as long as we're really focused on the values and what 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 is important to the art form or to the community, we are going to figure out ways of of making those things work. I did I did want to tell you an interesting thing and just get your thoughts on this. You know, as I said, I've, this, I've done a gazillion of these podcasts, and it's been with a ton of different people from all over the place. <clears throat> lots of people connected to the fools, obviously, and lots of people connected to fools. <clears throat> they may not have come to the fools to the valley, but they are friends of of the fools. Yes. And do you know what I'm hearing most consistently from those folks is just how uniquely special artists of all stripes, how they refer to Company of Fools. It mm. is, I've never heard people describe their relationship to a theater company in such a special, unique way. Mm. Why? Why? What is it about the Fools, RL? Oh, I have this big cozy smile on my face. Um, I don't think there's one answer, Scott. I think there's. I think it is this beautiful crossroads of several important things, and let's see if I can if I can pull up enough of them to make it all make sense. I think about the number of people that just come to this community and are wowed by the community itself. There is something pretty spectacular about this valley, um, just as a location, um, and the collective of people who have decided to exist here. Um, there is a, a an openness, and a, um, for me, the the earth itself here sort of um, vibrates with artistic energy. So that's mm. that all by itself. There's a great canvas ready for the story to be painted on. But then I look at some of the people who have um, have guided the work along the way. Um, you know, John and I, twenty almost twenty years ago, moved to Idaho, and it'll be twenty years this fall. And um, attracted to the work that Rusty Wilson and Denise Simone were doing, had been attracted to that work in Richmond when it first started. John was an original company member. I became involved a little bit later as I moved out here, though I had um, seen their work and been connected to their work there. But, but from the founders, there was both a passion for the storytelling, um, a commitment to the connection to the community and an immense respect for the artists who told the stories. Can I tell you something that I think uh, is part of why The Fools is so special? Yes, you can, Scott. It's your hosting. It's you. <laughs> it's you, RL. Oh, shut up. No, I'm not gonna. You're not in the room with me. I can't, you can't smack me around. Um, time and time again, I hear from people who, who say, you know, Denise, Rusty, John, you, that there is just an alchemy that that has never, that these folks have never seen before. Um, there's, there is just something magical about that combination of people and personalities and, 
and spirit that um, that really has made such an incredible mark on that building and on this community. So, um, so even though you wouldn't say it, I will say it about you. You're, you're part then of that magic. It deserves to have life, um, and in whatever the next chapters look like, um, if those principles stay intact um, and uh, are honored, then the stories will continue to be told in the True way that. they're supposed to be. Yes, I agree. Um, but I just still want you to know your your magic. You are sweet. <laughs> Really? It's so rare that people describe me as, with that word. <laughs> um, you know, I, I could honestly just keep talking to you for hours and hours because, number one, I do miss you. I miss you a lot. And number two, I'm really happy you're healthy and well. Thank you. Um, and, uh, and I can't wait uh, for, for you and I to figure out the way that we get to uh, socially distance together sometime soon. Amen. Um, my name is Scott Palmer. I'm producing artistic director of Company of Fools, and I have had the great pleasure of talking with my dear friend R.L. Rousey. He has spent his entire life immersed in the arts. He arrived almost 20 years ago here in the Valley with his partner, John Glenn, and he is a, an enormous part of the reason why this community is so special. In addition to his work as the education artistic director for the Sun Valley Music Festival, he also serves as music director for Light on the Mountain, uh, Mountains Center for Spiritual Living, and he is a crucial part of the artistic universe here in the Valley. Um, will you please take care of yourself? Promise. Will you please text me all the time and then call me sometimes and we can hang out? To deal. Okay, great. Um, it has been my great pleasure speaking with RL, and if you have enjoyed this conversation, please consider supporting Foolish Voices and Company of Fools. Yes, by please do it. Please do it. Please do it. Make a donation in any amount via our podcast platform or online at svmoa.org. Thank you, RL. I'll speak to you soon, okay? Thanks, Scott. Take care. Bye-bye.